Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the Cyber Pro Podcast. It's about five questions in under nine minutes, although today we may end up having a better, more cool dialogue. I'm excited to have John on with me. John, tell us who you are and what do you do? Well, my name is John Lehman, and I work for Intellectual Point as the Senior Director of Veteran Services. So what does what does Senior Director of Veteran Services do? Because I'm a veteran, I love it. I, I know you're out there helping us out, but I'd love to know, like, what does that mean? So in the grand scheme of things, it's uh, I assist veterans that are trying to get into IT or they're trying to pivot into IT. And that's primarily what Intellectual Point does is they focus on the veteran population and trying to skill up veterans to get into decent paying jobs so they're not underemployed and they're meaningfully employed in the positions that they receive. So I assist all the veterans in kind of putting those pieces together. I assist with job interviews. I assist with uh, sending out resumes to recruiters, working with recruiters to kind of bridge the gap between uh, what the veterans might have received as information when they received or when they left active duty and also those that have been out of active duty for quite some time and just need a refresher as to what the business space is like because they've worked for another company for 10 years, you know, in a warehouse or something like that. And now they're doing a career pivot to IT. So why do you love being involved with veterans, especially as it pertains to getting them in the IT and cybersecurity space? Okay, I absolutely love this question because... For so long, I hunted and pecked for jobs that did not fit my mindset, did not fit my values, did not fit a whole bunch of things for the construct of myself. And I wanted to be in a mold that the rest of corporate America wanted me to be in. So I went from being a, a trooper to doing private investigation to doing plumbing to doing um, private security, to, I, you name it. And it's just kind of fell within this umbrella. But working with veterans is the only thing that really truly feels like it's home because there's still that camaraderie. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to homebrew within the veteran community now that was lacking post 9-11. So try to think your VFW like 2.0. <laughs> where it's not where it's not based on alcohol we drink coffee and we talk about how to make our society better rather than sitting in a pub swilling alcohol and forgetting about things that we don't want to deal with that's awesome that's a great way to do it so give me some information about what you tell veterans as they're looking to get upskilled as they're looking to get into the IT cyberspace well, it's not so much what I tell them, it's what I ask them. Because nine times out of 10, uh, whoever it is that I'm speaking to innately has certain things that fit within the, the structure of cybersecurity. There's 52 different types of avenues you can go into cybersecurity. And you know, I ask them questions and I try to ferret out exactly what it is that they have interests in. And then I ask them to produce five companies that they think are going to be good for them to work for. And then I ask them to marry those five companies 
mission statements up and their core values up. And if they're in the same wheelhouse, then you're you're kind of batting in the same area of the field. But if they're all over the place, then you don't know where you want to go. So then we have to focus a direction. So it always starts with open-ended questioning. And then once I find out more about the individual, then I will say, have you thought about this? And then immediately people will pop into my mind that I spoke to earlier in the week. And I'll say, I need to put you in contact with this recruiter because this recruiter was working, working on filling out these positions and you actually fit this position. I just spoke to a veteran yesterday that works for a private security company and he was looking to move to another company. And I said, try to do an internal promotion from being a physical security guy to doing a help desk position or doing cyber within the company. They already paid for your security clearance. You already got all that other stuff. So they're more likely to allow you to pivot within the company to retain you than watch you leave because they spent the money on you. They'd rather invest more in you than watch you walk out the door. So that's more or less what I try to give guidance to. I ask questions to find out what their core personality is, what their interests are, and then we decide together what their game plan is for a career pathway. And nine times out of 10, they will come back and say, hey, I never thought of it like that. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. You know, just to give somebody some insight off of having a conversation with them and truly listening and then having them say, oh my gosh, that never dawned on me. Like that, that veteran I spoke to yesterday, he was like, that never dawned on me. And I was like, okay, um, you know, that this seems to be like an easy answer. So I asked him to connect with the recruiter at his company. He did. And I'm waiting to get an answer back. That's amazing. I, I love the approach. I love the, the, the Socratic method that you take towards it. <clears throat> I'd love to hear your insight on what hurdles there are for veterans to, to get that upskill, to get into the cyberspace? Like, what are you seeing right now in the, in the market? Oh, man, am I glad you asked this question. <laughs> uh, so there's several things that veterans face when it comes to the marketplace. And I would say the main thing that veterans face that is of adversity to them is their ability to network. And that in and of itself hurts veterans the most because they don't understand the power of networking and what that means in the civilian market. Where if you just open up a communication, you start speaking with somebody and then you, you willfully and you meaningfully try to build a relationship that is genuine and it's not just, hey, you know what jobs do you have, but try to genuinely build a relationship with that person. Let it be a recruiter, let that be somebody from HR, or even somebody that works in the division that you want to go to. You're gaining insight as to what that job's like and what the corporate culture is like. And I think that that is the hardest thing for veterans to wrap their mind around because the military culture is automatically there but the corporate culture is different per company. So you could go to Google and people are wearing yoga pants and they're drinking green tea. But if you go to say um, Qualcomm, people are wearing suits and ties and you know they're dealing 
in different aspects. You know, there's different corporate cultures and you have to research that before you go out and you interview. You know, I really appreciate the things that Google does, but I don't think I would fit in the constructs of the company. You know, I don't have a man bun. I look like a linebacker and, you know, I, I like to lift heavy weights. So I don't think I'd fit that paradigm, you know, whereas I might fit the paradigm better for a company like Ridgeline and, you know, where they do a lot of R and D. And if you want to brick a computer with stuff other than water and a, and a hammer, then, you know, I would probably fit really well into that. Um, anything that would have to do with like social engineering, things like this, that would fit my wheelhouse. That's not Google's wheelhouse, but you have to know that before you walk into the company, like they might, inter I might interview for them, but I would know that I wouldn't fit their paradigm um, simply because I'm not their corporate culture. And that, that's the biggest hurdle that I see veterans struggling with is that they'll go out for interviews and they're like, well, I don't fit this paradigm. Maybe you're not meant to own your space, own your space. You're a veteran. You have these skill sets. You are this own it. And then find a company that's going to match your, your self-worth and where you want to go. And that, that's the biggest hurdle, to be honest with you. It, it has nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with certifications or anything like that. It has to do more with how the veteran mind is going in a certain direction, dealing with certain tasks at hand. You know, they can troubleshoot, but it's really hard to troubleshoot when you're looking at multiple different companies, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. And I think it also goes back to two things from my perspective, right? I, I had a different career path when I was in the, in the, in the military community than others. And so my, my objectives and the way I view a task and, and the way I'm gonna attack that task are completely different. But I think that lends itself to employers understanding what their mission is and who they should be going after, right? Not looking exactly. at somebody going, man, you've got 20 years of experience, uh, you know, in the military, we love your experience. Yes, we want you, but they're the yoga pant, you know, roll your desk around the building type of, of company. They're not the more rigid, you know, group, and maybe that's what this person needs. And so... Uh, I appreciate that. I really do. And I, and I, I would call out the employers a little bit, you know, let's, let's meet somewhere in the middle with our other veterans. I'd well, like, it's, oh, go ahead, please, please. It, it's not to say that a veteran can't fit that paradigm because it's all on personality. I mean, there's right. definitely veterans that have matriculated into that mindset and that's cool too. But you, what I'm getting at is just know your ground. You know what I mean? Whatever you're going to fit into, wherever your puzzle piece lands and it actually works for that puzzle, then so let it be, you know what I mean? But know your space, know what you're meant to fill in and try not to expand past that because one, it's uncomfortable and two, you can't hold that much weight for that long. Right. You know, and you end up moving anyways. I, you know, statistically, I think 67%, I think is the actual statistics on it, that veterans will leave their first job because of a lack of leadership out of the first job that they receive outside of the military. Interesting. So now that's, that's an interesting stat. I want to take this down one final path before we get to the fun question, because you and I talked about this beforehand a little bit. 
I know that as veterans get out, they have a lot of opportunities, both in the enterprise world and to go back into government contracting. And, and now we're seeing uh, a hurdle that you and I have discussed. It's, it's the whole idea of how is COVID, the vaccines, the masks, the, the illness itself, how is that affecting people, uh, especially our veterans, as they're going out to try and identify a new position for themselves? Okay, this, this is, we had discussed this just a little bit, and I really like the questioning because this, one, it's hot button topic, and two, it's something that it has to deal with perspective. So anytime that you're looking at something, you should always try to look at it from a multi-person perspective and see where that lands you rather than just looking at it from the first person um, perspective, meaning just inside your own head and only that. So, you know, we had discussed interfacing with customers and having that ability to be mobile and some of the contractors, some of the people that are within the federal government, some people that are in the private sector, you know, we all hear about the great resignation while dealing with veterans and dealing with just the job market in general. I can tell you it's, it's a real thing. And more and more people are starting to hop onto this mental mindset that if it doesn't work for them, I'll just quit. Well, you, you have to keep bread on the table. You have to continue pushing through because the only way to get through is to, to go through. And, you know, COVID is one of those things that it's not going to go away. It's going to mutate. And either we come up with better vaccines to be able to deal with the disease as it maturates through its process, because it's always going to change. It's going to mutate. And we have to be able to deal with that with better malware on our end. <laughs> you know, that, you know, we have to integrate better malware on our end, meaning what's in between our ears and um, our not, not malware, but um, antivirus uh, software in between our ears to be able to deal with the malware, to deal with the viruses and deal with, you know, the Trojans, which would be like the, the media, social media. Um, they just kind of exit, the, <laughs> enter the back of your brain. And then, uh, you know, they tell you one thing, but want you to believe another. So the max, the mass exodus is real. And what I'm seeing both on the federal side of the house and also on the civilian side of the house is that people are leaving because it doesn't match up with their core value, whatever their core value is. And, you know, I don't care what anybody's political affiliation is. I really don't get into political arguments or discussions with people simply because I think that you should be asking questions like we stated earlier from the Socratic method and just asking yourself in an in, in inductive reasoning method and also a deductive reasoning method to be able to see what matches your core values, whatever those are. You know, if you are... Christian, you're going to have X amount of core values. If you're Muslim, you're going to have X amount of core values. And that's cool with whatever you are, you know, on a religious aspect, same with your personality traits and all these other things. It's going to create different social mores for you. So I think what we have to do is kind of come up with a better understanding of what our cultural values are and our cultural mores are as a whole. 
and just say, okay, this is a, a we're redefining who we are as Americans and saying, listen, this is what we can tolerate. This is what we can't tolerate as a whole because we aren't a melting pot. We're more like a, a quilt, you know, <laughs> you know, you stay on your, your square there, you know, and I, I want it to be a melting pot because I love cultures. I love different foods. I love different people's perspectives because they bring the world to us. And a lot of times we don't have that as an opportunity if we just sit in our own homes or our own cultures, unless we allow other people to share their points of view, which I think is just, it's important to view that. And veterans know that because we've traveled, we've seen the world, whereas a lot of people that have not been veterans haven't seen that side of the world. They haven't seen those cultures interact with other people. So hopefully that answers the question. It does for sure. So let's take this into the fun world. And final question for you, John, what's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? Oh my gosh. I honestly have to say a floppy disk. <laughs> the big one or the little one? <laughs> the big one, the big one. <laughs> And the reason why is because the beautiful thing with that is if you use a high, high enough power magnet, you can wipe it. <laughs> and I found, I found that out from a very young age um, and learning how to brick things. You know? So I guess that was like my, my intro to computer science 101. Extremely powerful magnet, electrified, definitely kills this material. <laughs> Nice. John, thank you so much for being on the CyberPro podcast. Awesome. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having us or having me today, I should say. You did it. You made it to the end. Check us out for future podcasts and more content.